If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 4. I cannot express um, seriously enough how blessed we are with um, those who are doing praise with, for us. The songs that, that, that are chosen by Silas and put together, um, I, don't, I hope you realize how good we have it. This is a very unusual type of praise uh, in our kind of modern praise and worship that we have today. The songs are carefully chosen to make sure they are doctrinally and scripturally correct. And the focus and praise goes to God and not to man. And that's very unusual. And so I just, I hope the three of you feel appreciated because we appreciate you so much. God bless you. That's just amazing. Um, so First John chapter 4. Um, before we get to the verses today, I want you to look at First John chapter 5 and look at verse 13. Um, John says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. So the end of the book of John gives you the purpose of the book of John. And we have gone very slowly, three, four verses at a time, to walk through this incredible book. But we want to understand the purpose of the book is that those who believe in Jesus, those who believe in the Son of God, may know that they have eternal life. So I want to ask you a question, but I don't want you to answer the question out loud. But I do want you to ponder the question to yourselves. Um, have you ever struggled with the assurance of your salvation? Have you ever thought to yourself, Am I really saved? And how do I know that I'm really saved? Well, that's the question that comes up many times. And the reason why it comes up is because while we love Jesus, we believe in Jesus, we often sin. And that sin causes us to doubt. And so John wrote this book in order to address that. And the verses we have today really, really get into the meat of your assurance of your salvation. So let's look at 1 John 4, verse 13. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he's given us of his spirit. So Romans eight sixteen it's on your paper, says this. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So understand that your assurance does not come from your outward actions. Although, when you are changed on the inside, there will be changes on the outside. Doesn't that make sense? Um, I, Elizabeth and I, we dated in high school. 
for three years. We started, she was a freshman, I was a sophomore. Uh, and we dated all the way up until uh, uh, my graduation. The day after I graduated, she uh, went, I graduated in 1977. And that summer, she went to Michigan to visit her sister. She was living in California. And she turned 18 over that summer and made a decision that she would stay in Michigan. And so that was the end of our uh, three-year high school sweetheart relationship. Um, about That was in, in the summer of 1977. In 1979, we both gave our lives to Christ at different times in that year. And we, we came to find that out. Um, we reconnected, reconciled, and eventually married. Well, because of that, it's a really interesting dynamic in which we have this two separate kind of uh, togetherness, one without God and the other with God. And we can testify that we're not the same people. We're not the same people. We, I mean, we never, for three years, uh, and we've talked about this many times, we never mentioned God once, did we, Liz? It, it didn't even cross our minds to think about God or church or why we were here. And then the Bible says, when you become a new creature, that old things are passed away, all things become new. And then it says, now all things are of God. And so we went with nothing being about God to the last... 38 years, everything being about God. So that's an internal change. And it is proof of, of a miraculous, only God-appointed change. We are literally different people. So for Liz and I, there's no doubt about knowing that we are saved because it wasn't some religious, religious kind of fanatical thing that happened to us. It was an inner difference in who we are. And what was interesting, it, it happened to both of us in the same year, 2,000 years, 2,000 miles away from each other. And yet, the exact same thing happened. The same change. Well, how could that be? Because it's the same spirit. It's the same spirit. It's why when you meet a Christian, a fellow Christian, no matter what your backgrounds are, no matter what your personalities are, there is a unity. There is a connection. Because it is the same spirit that lives within each and every Christian. It's also why if you're not a Christian, you don't feel comfortable around Christians. But if you are a Christian, truly born again, you crave the fellowship of those with the same spirit because you're different and you've changed. So how do you know? The answer is you know. It's there within you. Satan will try to cast doubts, but you know. Look at verse 14. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. So what changes? 
we didn't talk about Jesus, and now we know that he's God's son. We know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We know that Jesus died upon the cross. He was buried, and he rose again the third day. And 2,000 miles away, three or four months apart, the Holy Spirit revealed to both Liz and I, Jesus Christ is the truth, and he is the way of salvation. And once we discovered that, and it was revealed to us through the Holy Spirit, we wanted everyone to know. And it's all we think about. It's all we talk about. No matter what we do. Every meal, we thank him for our meal. Every movie we watch, every show we look at, oh, that's not scriptural. Oh, that is so, that's just like the Bible says. Every we went and saw um, elephant seals. We took a little elephant seal tour on a Valentine's Day. And we weren't looking at elephant seals. We were looking at, man, how did God create that? How do they know to come? How did God give them? And everything's from the perspective of God, everything. That's a change. We know because we see to testify that the Father has sent the Savior to be. And, and do you believe that? Do you believe that God sent his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him? If you believe that, that's not from you. That's only from the Spirit of God. Look at verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. It's, it's not something you figure out. It's not a, a science project. It's not a, a, some experiment you do to figure out whether Jesus is true. It is something revealed to you by the Spirit of God. And if you confess that Jesus is the Son of God, well, guess what? God abides in you, and you abide in God. Turn, if you will, to Romans 10, verse 8. Romans 10. We're going to look at verse 8. Now, I tell you that since 1979, I have been a new creature, a different person. If I tell you that I've never doubted my salvation one time since the day I became a Christian, that would be a lie. Especially in those early years, they were, it was a struggle. What really happened to me? Did that, or was it just an experience? Am I really a Christian? And then these verses kind of floored me. And it says, what does it say, verse 8, Romans 10? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Larry did a great job in Sunday school this morning talking about uh, the need to preach the gospel. That's our purpose. And that's how we... Uh, kind of sacrifice our life is to, to share the gospel. So this word we preach, what is the gospel? That Jesus died, was buried, and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. If you believe that, if you truly believe that, then you're saved. The Philippian jailer came to Paul and Silas and he asked a very simple question. What was it? What must I do to be saved? Acts 16.30. Acts 16.31 was their answer. What was it? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Now look at verse 9. Now if, in verse 9, it starts with two words. That if, so we have that word if. So what's the word if means? It's a cause and effect word, isn't it? 
If you do this, this will happen. Look at the last four words of verse 9. What does it say? Thou shalt be saved. So we have this great verse. Instead of relying on emotions and feelings, let's rely on the, the, the trustworthy word of God. And this verse says, if you do this, you will be saved. If you will be saved. The Bible says that it is impossible for God to what? Lie. It's impossible for God to lie. So let me ask you this question. What would you do? What would you put in the middle? Or what would you not do in the middle of those two words? If you do this, you will be saved. Anything you wouldn't do to be saved? Anything you wouldn't do to keep your soul from hell? Anything you wouldn't do to live eternally with Christ? If it said, if you will walk a mile on broken glass, you will be saved. Would you walk a mile on broken glass? It'd be hard, but we would do it. If you give your body to be burned, you will be saved. Would you give your body to be burned? But look what it says. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that he's risen from the dead, you will be saved. So there's only two things there. Confess with your mouth that the Lord... Look at verse 10. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans 5, 5 on your paper says, Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And so when I was in church service on Easter Sunday, 1979, and the gospel was clearly shared about the death, burial, and resurrection, and that that was the only way to be saved, and um, the man asked me, do you want to be saved? If you want to be saved, come forward. Well, I wanted to be saved, so I went forward. He said, repeat after me, and I repeated after him, me and about five other people together. Yes, I am a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to be my Savior, come into my heart. And everybody patted me on the back and applauded. And I left and I said to myself, what in the world just happened? I have no idea what that was all about. I just knew I did not want to go to hell. And so the college group that was there went to the pizza place afterwards. And I was spinning. My mind was spinning. And I walked out to my car and I sat on my car and I looked to the heavens and I said, God, I don't know what happened. But if you're real, I need to know. And if I know for sure that you're real and that this, this story of you dying on the cross is true, I'll do anything you tell me to do the rest of my life. I'll, just, I'll follow you. But I have to know. In verse 5 happened. God poured into my heart the confidence and knowledge that he was real. I just knew it. I just knew it. I believe that was the moment of my salvation. Because I, 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 just, I was changed. I was different. 
and I can confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord because of what God had did in my heart through the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense to everyone? The Bible says you have not because you ask not. If anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. If you're still doubting, it's very simple. Go to him and ask him. Go talk to him. Tell him, I don't know. I need to know for sure. And so over the years, doubt still arouse. And then one day, all the doubts I ever had about God ended with this verse. And I was driving down the road, and somebody cut me off. And I was by myself, and I thought a very inappropriate thing about the young man who cut me off as I was driving. And I immediately said, oh, God, forgive me. I should not say that about another human being. That was wrong. Would you please forgive me? And then all of a sudden, this verse came to my mind. I'm by myself. So to be saved, what do I have to do? I have to confess with my mouth that the Lord Jesus Christ, I have to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. And so is, is Jesus Lord? Well, what proves it by my actions? I thought a word that it's nothing. I didn't break a law. I just thought something inappropriate about another human being that God had created. And I immediately said, oh, God, forgive me. He's the only one that heard me because I didn't say it out loud and nobody was with me in the car. So do I believe that he's Lord? Do I believe he's my master? If I didn't, I wouldn't be asking him for forgiveness. Correct? Do I believe that he's risen from the dead? How does my actions prove that? I'm talking to him. So I said, whoa, wait a minute. If Unless Romans 10, 9 is a lie, guess what? I'm saved. Because I obviously believe that he's there and that he's my Lord because I talk to him. How many ever talk to God when you're by yourself? How many of you ever confess your sins to God when you're by yourself? If you're not saved and God's a liar. And it is impossible for what? God to lie. Doesn't mean you're not going to sin. Doesn't mean you're not going to have those days where you're you're kind of feeling apart from God. It doesn't mean you're not going to be like Elijah, who one day was standing uh, uh, against 450 of the prophets of Baal, mocking them and standing for God and calling down fire from heaven. And the next day he was in the wilderness crying to die because uh, Jezebel wanted to kill him. You got good days and bad days? But if you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and rose again the third day, then you are sealed in the palm of his hand and no one will ever pluck you out. And you should know that. And you should rejoice in the confidence and assurance that you are his child. Amen? Let's go back to 1 John chapter 4. Once again, verse 15, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Why is that true? Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart he's risen from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 16, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. 
So let me encourage you. This union is, is like, it, with Christ is remarkable. There's a connection. There's an abiding that God abides in us and we abide in God. And that word abiding, it's where we get the word abode from when you say, you know, welcome to my humble abode. It's where you reside. It's where you live. And you should live with and in Christ and acknowledge that Christ is living in you. And everything changes. So let's look at John chapter 15. And we're going to close with, with this chapter. This chapter is amazing. And it's all about abiding in God. And we're going to walk through the first 11 verses uh, very carefully. So you can understand this idea of abiding. What does it mean? It says in verse 15, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Look at verse 5. I am the vine and you are the branches. So in this illustration, we have three uh, sources in this illustration. We have God the vine dresser, Christ the vine, and you are the branches. All right, you guys remember the old song? He is the vine and we are the branches. Is Anyone ever know that song? Oh, boy. I'm old and Baptist. That's why I know that song. So as we see, what is a vine dresser? A vine dresser is the one who just takes care of it. It prunes, it cuts. It, it, and, and why do you prune a branch? Cutting off some of the, 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 the fruit that comes off of it. All right? So it can produce more fruit. So before we get into the further on this chapter, what is fruit? What is fruit? Love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, self-control. It is the fruit of the Spirit. Which leads to souls. Where we are throwing out the seeds of the gospel. And when the gospel lands on good ground, we see fruit for our labor. So in this connection to God, what does the vine do? What is the purpose of a vine when it comes to a tree? All the nutrients, all the nourishment, all the power in order to bear fruit comes from the vine. If you're a branch and you're not connected to Christ daily, then you will not bear fruit. Either the fruit of the Spirit or souls to be saved. Look at verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. So we've taken care of the idea of salvation. Now let's take care of this. Let's just take the first three fruits of the Holy Spirit, which are what? Love, joy, joy 
and peace. Now, I want you to think of the world today. Are they searching for those three things? This world is searching for love in all the wrong places. You remember the old country song? They're searching for it through pornography. They're searching for it through inappropriate relationships. They're searching for it through all kinds of immoral activities that they say is love. And then when you say that's not true love, then you're the one accused of not being the one who loves. Today, love is accepting everything and all people, no matter what they do, what they say, what they believe in. Now, the Bible says to love your enemies. The Bible says to love his creation. But love is not saying, you're right, you can do whatever you want and just go to hell because that's to love somebody, so just let them do whatever they want. Is that true love? No. What about joy? Where does, where does the world look for joy? There's a verse in the Bible, I read it yesterday at a men's breakfast, that men, in the last days men will love pleasure more than they love God. And we believe if you're happy, then then that's all life's all about. And if you're not happy going to church, you don't go to church. That's the wrong kind of joy. Because if you have to look for some kind of activity to bring you joy, then it's not the true joy in Christ. Is that true? What about peace? Oh, this world is full of peace. <laughs> Nobody's stressed out. Nobody's angry. I just can't wait till we get to the the debates towards the presidential election and see how the two candidates will graciously encourage one another with their views and values and they'll be respected and, and have a great, amazing exchange of ideas that we can then uh, gradually look, uh, this world is not full of peace. Why? Because peace and joy and love only properly come through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then you have love, joy, and peace no matter what's going on around you. It's the Peter principle of walking in the midst of the storm with your eyes fixed on Christ and not even knowing the travails that go around in your life. Look at verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Philippians 4.13. Anybody have that as your favorite verse? I can do what? I can do all things through Christ. Without God, I can do nothing. There's no middle ground. I can do anything here and I can do nothing here. I'll stick with the one I can do anything with. Amen? I want to abide in Christ. Verse 6 is very important. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. What's the fire represent? That's hell. If you're not connected to the vine, if you're totally separated, it means you're not saved. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then you're not nourished at all. In fact, you're a dead branch. But guess what? While I was dead in my trespasses and sins, God, through his word, quickened me and made me alive by making sure I heard the gospel and making sure that I trusted it and knew it. 
And God took a dead sinner, a dead branch, and he took it. And the Bible describes it as being grafted into this tree and grafted into all of the promises of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How about you today? Are you grafted in? Are you a Christian? Verse 7. This is important. If you abide in me and my what? Words abide in you. You will ask what you desire. It will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified. Let's stop right there. So the way to abide in Christ is always through his word. How's your Bible study going? The less Bible study you do, the less amount of time you take listening to people preach the gospel and and teach the word of God, the less confidence you're going to have in your connection to Christ. You must be in the word. The word is what strengthens you. The word is what pours out that that confidence. So abide in my word. And then verse 8. Let's read the first part with me if if you have it. It says, ready, begin. By this, my Father is glorified. Stop. Don't you want to glorify God? So think about that phrase. By this, my Father is glorified. Okay, God, that's what I want. I want to bring you glory. I want you to be glorified in my life. What do I got to do? Well, here's how it's going to tell you. By this, my Father is glorified. All right, what am I going to do? Am I walking on glass? I'll walk on glass for you. Is it giving my body to be burned? I'll do it for you, God. What is it? You want me to move to the jungle and witness to a tribe that I don't speak their language? I'll do it. How will I glorify you? Look what it says. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. God, what do I got to do? I'll do anything for you. God, what do I got to do to glorify you? Bear much fruit. Okay. So what does that mean? Be happy. Be joyful. Be full of love. Be full of peace. If I have to, I'll do anything for you. If I just got to have more peace and joy, I guess that's what I'll do for you, God. I'll make that sacrifice for you. How great is our God? How amazing is God that he says, if you really want to make me happy, fulfill my joy, be happy. Show the world what life abiding in Christ is really like. Have a life of peace. Have a life of joy. Not fake not fake and and sometimes we do this thing where we think that we have to be happy all the time so it's like oh god bless your heart it's so good to see you god has just blessed me so much it's just so great i'm just so happy to have all you yes oh it's so good to see you god bless you have another day sister thank you so much all right who that woman i cannot stand her that's not true in it in it that kind of phoniness and I, and i know that's probably a horrible thing to say but that kind of phoniness is very easily detected by the world. But a life in which you have peace through trials, joy through tragedy, and love through people constantly battering you, that's only through Christ. And that resonates with the world like nothing else. And it only comes when you are closely connected to your Savior. It's only when you're on the storm looking him in the eye or they're pelting you with rocks like they did Stephen, but he sees Christ right in front of him. 
And this is where you'll find it. This is where you'll find it. You'll notice. It's so simple for me. The less I'm in the book, the less joy and peace I have. It's just, it, it's automatic. It's automatic. Verse 9, as the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. So abiding comes through the word. His love comes when you keep his commandments. God says, if you love me, you'll do what I say. Valentine's Day. How'd it go, gentlemen? Did you do a good job? Valentine's Day comes and you just would do anything to make your love happy. Because it's love. You love them. Shouldn't it be the same for God? God do anything. And if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Just as I kept my Father's commands and abided my love. Verse 11, last verse of the day. These things I have spoken to you. Why? That my joy may remain in you. And that your joy may be full. See, what God wants for you is joy, peace, and love. Because when you have those things, they're only exhibited through an abiding, close relationship with the Savior you have confessed to believe in. And if he truly is the Jesus Christ that died on the cross, was beaten, spit upon, mocked, and, 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 and killed for you, then, then why would we not? rejoice in that why would we not rejoice in the fact that my sins are as far as the east is from the west and that no one will ever separate me from the love of God and that he is always constantly on the throne in charge of this universe shouldn't that bring you peace shouldn't that bring you joy and if it doesn't if you're a, a Christian who is depressed and anxious and and sad the answer is that you're just not spending enough time connected to the vine you're just separated and you're not getting the nourishment you need to bear fruit it's very simple there's two things to do today one if you are still doubting your salvation or you're still struggling with whether or not it's real or not then your first step is to find some quiet place today. I can't, it, you don't get there by me having you raise your hand. You don't get there by me having you walk forward and repeating words that I say to you. You get there by going to God quietly, privately, and saying to him, God, are you real? I need to know. I'm not sure. I'm having doubts. And then the Holy Spirit, let's read that verse again. In, in, in Romans 5, 5, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured into our hearts. Number two, maybe you don't doubt your salvation. Maybe you're, you're fine. You're solid. You know that Jesus Christ died for you. But you're just feeling distant. You're feeling disconnected. You're feeling a lack of joy, a lack of, of, of peace. Same thing. You go to God again. 
confess your sins. Say, God, I've not been I've not been studying. I've been too much in the world, too separate from you, too distracted from you. And then get into your word. Start reading it. Oh, Pastor, I don't even know where to start. You don't have to start anywhere. Just start somewhere. The book of John is a great place to start. Proverbs is a great place to start. Psalms is a great place to start. It doesn't matter. Just get it up. Get the, get the Bible up out of your hands and start reading it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come to you, Lord, and ask you to guide and direct us to how to abide more with you. In this chapter, you tell us to bear fruit, bear more fruit, bear much fruit, and be filled with your joy. That's your desire for us. Because when we live this world with joy, people want to know what we have. They want an answer for the hope that lies within us. Our responsibility is to abide in you. Abide in your word. Abide in your love. Constantly be thinking and appreciating what you've done for us. Heavenly Father, we pray, Lord, that you would just encourage us to be obedient to you today. If we love you, we will keep your commandment. And your command is to abide in him. Lord, help us to do this uh, fervently and consistently. In Jesus' name we thank you. Amen. Uh, Silas and Matt and Kat, if you come, and we're going to sing that the last one that we did. All right, let's just sing, stand and sing one more song of thankfulness and praise to God. I will celebrate, sing unto the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song. I will celebrate, sing unto the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song. With my heart rejoicing within, with my mind. Focused on Him with my hands Raised to the heavens all I am Worshipping Him I will celebrate Sing unto the Lord Sing to the Lord A new song I will celebrate Sing unto the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song. With my heart rejoicing within, with my mind focused on Him, with my hands raised.
to the heavens all I am Worshipping Him I will celebrate Sing unto the Lord Sing to the Lord A new song That's kind of what we talked about today Just being changed and abiding in Him uh, as we close in prayer, I want to remind you that we are having some cake and cupcakes in the kitchen as you walk through and grab a piece of cake, celebrate Maria's birthdays and all the birthdays we have today. And uh, just thank you for coming this morning. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, let us leave here with uh, a newness uh, of a purpose uh, to draw close to you, to abide in you, to increase the joy and the peace and the love that is available to us through a close abiding relationship with Christ. I pray, Lord, anyone struggling in these areas would find true victory in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.